Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Director and liquor store baby, So Yun Um, and her father have never seen eye to eye on anything, especially not her career choices. Although his liquor store has provided her financial stability to dream big, there's tension between father and daughter, and how their Korean culture and store have a, had a complicated past within a black community. So goes on a journey to unpack this tension as well as the generational divide between her and her father. In contrast, in the wake of his father's passing, Danny Park quits his dream job at Nike and returns home to help his mother run the family store on Skid Row. Unlike So, he's inexplicably drawn towards home, with a dream of uniting the black and Korean communities at his store. He's immediately determined to create a path different from his father's, but soon realizes the insurmountable weight of being a small business owner. Liquor Store Dreams is a portrait of two second-generation Korean-Americans trying to create their own future by honoring their parents' past through understanding and healing. Liquor Store Dreams is an incredible documentary. It's so personal, um, and it's one of the better documentaries I've seen in quite some time, and I definitely recommend you checking it out. It'll be screening in person at the Tribeca, uh, Tribeca Film Festival on June 10th, 11th, and 12th. You can also see it virtually online. I'll put a link in the show notes for the show times and how you can see it. Hope you enjoy the interview. Thanks. And perfect. Okay. Uh, is this just going to be video or just audio for the piece? Uh, only audio is used. I just generally go on video so that I can try to pick up cues and not interrupt too often. So. Okay. Okay, I will leave it to you alone. Have a good chat. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Hi, Christopher. Hey. How are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited. I feel, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, were you able to watch the film? Or? Of course. Oh, I wouldn't okay. be sitting here if I, hadn't, <laughs> okay. if I hadn't watched it. And that's why I'm truly excited about it. It's um, because I had an expectation of what this film could possibly be. And then what you did with it, I think, was something really special. And your own personal um, reflections that you bring to it, because there was something that stood out to me. It's kind of in the halfway point of the film where you talk about how you and your father, there's a, the commonality that you have is you both um, deal with your struggles in private. Mm -hmm. But you made a very public showing of dealing mm -hmm. with this personal, with your identity as the as a liquor store baby, as a filmmaker, as a young person, and this generational divide between your, you and your father, you pretty much, this is a very naked film. This is yeah. incredibly <laughs> vulnerable. So, I mean, that had to be quite a process to be so open with us. For sure. Um, oh my God. I don't know if there's certain specific questions I should kind of geared towards or just generally speak about it. How would you want? To yeah, in, in, in just in general, the idea of telling something this personal when your nature is to be more private with dealing mm -hmm. with this. Oh my God. Uh, wow. I think, for, well, first and foremost, as a, as a, a cinephile, like I, I watched every, every film out there ranging from narratives to documentaries that kind of surround about this topic, whether it's tracing um, back to the LA uprisings or our identities as current Americans and things like that. So I, I think for first and foremost, I always wanted to make something that felt completely original. It could not be created, especially in this point of view. And I, as a filmmaker and somebody who 
um, just wants to create change. I, I felt like I needed to go way deeper. Like I would have never wanted to make a film that was just, you know, scratching the surface. I wanted to really dig deep. And with the team that I had, I think we did a lot of probing and was, we were able to get to a very vulnerable spot. I think now that it is a film, it's kind of not only my story, but it's my dad's, it's Danny's. How I think the process, it's fine if I'm vulnerable, but I think it's like, how much are their, their limits? Um, how much are they willing to show? And especially with Danny, I'm glad that he was so open with me. I think throughout, throughout the filmmaking process, we obviously found out things that I never thought I would uncover or uh, they would even explore. And so I think even for them, I'm glad that they took me on that ride and was so open to letting me know about certain family information and things like that. As far as my dad, I think he's he's always been pretty open. I think it's a different side when I actually, you know, showed him the film and he was able to understand where I'm coming from. And so I think there's always like a fine line that I have to do. Like I'm okay with revealing myself, but I think when it comes to them, I'm very conscious of, of what they're okay with. And I always set parameters and set the table in a sense where I let them know, like, this is how it will play out. Obviously, I don't know what their responses will be and things like that. But hopefully at the end of the day, I hope I was able to make a film that really catered to both of their sensibilities and their expectations and what whatever they're comfortable with. So, Well, it, de- it definitely, you... You, it feels like you painted a very honest portrait. I have no idea. It felt very honest, though. It didn't feel cynical. It didn't feel like as much as this film does have a point of view, it felt like you were giving them the room to express themselves as well, and that that was very important to you, that it wasn't just this, you had an agenda going into this, and this is what I want to get out of it. You allowed um, some pretty complex ideas and some that can be pretty reactionary from people. You gave them space to exist in this film, in a way that's really, if you would have left out the scene where your father gets angry, Mm -hmm. I think that we would have, it would have been not the fuller picture of it. And Mm -hmm. in that it humanizes this in a way that I think other films don't really do where we see this just for this one moment in time Mm -hmm. for how somebody exists instead of this much more honest portrayal of a human. And I think that your father's ability to his self-awareness in that moment when he's reflecting on that is something that I'm literally goosebumped thinking about that right now, because there's something that as much as this is your story and it's very, very specific that you wouldn't think that it would necessarily relate to, you know, white straight dude from the suburbs. I felt that moment very honestly reflected in a way that that's a moment I wish I had with my father. I hope that, I mean, I feel like a lot of the takeaway when people watch is like, I want to talk to my own parents and those are very scary. I think it's the urge, but to actually go through with the steps is a whole different story. And even throughout making this film, that is something that I had to grapple with is like, okay, great. I, it's not that I'm not close with my parents, but like, how do I approach these topics? How do I go, even show this on screen? And luckily I always said that the camera was our mediator, that we could only have these conversations because the camera was in, in between us, keeping us almost in check that, hey, this is being recorded. And also like, how do we have an honest conversation about this without feeling like we're being judged, whether it's the camera or by either side of the audience that will probably potentially watch this film. Because even when 
I think the most surprising thing about my dad watching the film and coming to that revelation was I wasn't sure if he was only saying that because he understood where where the potential audience might see it and he might get judged for. But at at the same time, for me, I do know that uh, when I show it to a lot of Korean Americans of his age, of his generation, uh, with the same similar thinking, I do wonder that they'll probably side with him and see that he's correct. And I don't know if any influence of what potentially may happen influenced his, his way of receiving the film, but I'm glad that he kind of came to that conclusion by himself without being swayed by me. Um, right. I think that was, it was obviously very scary to show him the film and see, to see like, this is kind of the scope of the story. He really knew glimpses of where it may go just by the questions I asked him. But now that I was able to show him my my point of view, where I started from, where it's going, and even including Danny's story, I think we was able to give him enough space to reflect not only his own experience, but like Danny's and probably the like a larger generation that probably that are going through the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And I think that um, there's this beautiful moment that speaks to that generational divide in the beginning of the film where your father sees the project you're undertaking as mundane. It's a film about some people that own a liquor store. He doesn't understand right away how important that is to a society, to our society right now that, you know, you and I from, you know, you're obviously that's your experience, but just from an outsider, I see this a Korean American family owning a liquor store what is the story behind that? That's I understand how that impacts the whole culture, and there's a much larger story there. But he's so in that world that he doesn't see that, and it feels like there is some genuine growth where he can see outside of how his story is part of this larger narrative. That I think it's really a beautiful and profound, um, for lack of a better word, awakening in a way. Oh, thank you, thank you. And, I hope. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And do you think, has that been the perception that you've had or reception that you've had rather from um, when you are showing this to that older generation, Mm -hmm. do you think that they're able to see that uncomfortable mirror, but Mm -hmm. because it's so honest that, you know, there's things in me when I I see them reflected on film um, that I'm uncomfortable with, you know, Mm -hmm. something like when I watch Midsummer, there was, Mm -hmm. there's elements of myself that where I tell myself that I'm a good guy, but like, Mm -hmm. I look at some of the motivations I had in my early Mm twenties, they weren't all pure. They weren't yeah. all good. And it's a very uncomfortable thing. I'm wondering if that was a, a similar thing when they would see that. Well, unfortunately, I feel like com- uh, I've only been able to s- show it to people more people my age than people mm-hmm. my parents' age. And although I did get uh, the reception and how how what they thought of the film, I, I don't think I really inquired about like the nitty gritty of it. I think it was a more general, like, okay, I felt really emotional here. Like, this is a really great movie. And I think that's something that I hope to discover a little bit more. Like, hey, now that you've watched everything, like, what did you think of these moments? And is there any any specific like reflection just because now that you know this, the scope of the history and uh, I didn't, I, I, I obviously didn't leave anything out. I think as our parents' generation, I think they were so preoccupied with working that they didn't understand or they didn't know too much about what was happening in the world besides what's happening in the store. And now that they're able to understand, hey, there was actually 
again, in like multiple generations of people who owned liquor stores before us in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods. And in black and brown neighborhoods, these were kind of the history and where that community is coming from and how when we came in, it's, you know, we, I don't know how much they, they learned about the history, but that we were, they were truly coming in blind when they should have probably knew a little bit more information and how that is also impacting both of our communities. And so even, so I think those, those are like larger questions and discussions that I hope to have once we show the film to multiple, multiple groups of people. Well, it's, I I was really happy that you called out uh, by name and by actually showing moments from uh, do the right thing. Because I think this film acts as a really good bookmark to that because it's the, for all of the wonderful things about that film, it's not the whole side of the story by any stretch of the imagination that there is another side of this that needs to be explored. There's uh, several sides to that story that need to be expanded upon, but it's a, what a wonderful place to start from now with that. And I think the beautiful thing about both these films that could be interpreted the wrong way. Um, there's a call to action at both at the end of both of your films. And I think you have by you being the one that's, and I don't, I, I always feel weird about documentaries calling it a spoiler, but it was a, the way that you end your film, um, I feel like that is your call to action for your generation to own this and to own this sort of next step. Is that what you were saying with that? For sure. Yeah. I think there's, there's so many things to, to come to terms with when it comes to our identity, whether it's history and things like that. And I feel like in this day and age, I feel like so many things will it just innately get politicized for no reason. And I think just the nature of this film, because it ties into the quote unquote black and Korean conflict or the 92 LA uprisings or kind of police brutality, I think because so many of these topics seem they are controversial that people could take the film the wrong way. But I do know that Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So after this conversation, I went into Bookman's in search of something with a little bit of social commentary, but whenever I'm looking for something a little bit headier like that, I tend to gear or tend to lean more towards satire, something uh, with a tongue firmly implanted in its cheek, makes the medicine go down a little bit easier. And so when I was walking around in the fiction section, I came across a confederacy of dunces it's a great novel. Um, If you haven't read it, it's by John Kennedy Toole, and I believe it was published in 1980, and this was 11 years after Toole's suicide. Uh, When the book was first released, it was a cult classic, and then it gained mainstream success, and eventually it earned Toole a posthumous Pulitzer Prize for fiction in 1981, and is now considered canonical work of modern literature of the southern United States. Other novels on that list include The Color Purple, To Kill a Mockingbird, Tobacco Road, and Up With Slavery. So it's definitely amongst the great novels. Uh, The title refers to an epigram from John Swift's essay, Thoughts on Various Subjects, Moral and Diverting. It goes like this. When a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. The book's protagonist, Uh, Ignatius J. Riley is an educated but lazy 30-year-old man living with his mother in the uptown neighborhood of the early 1960s New Orleans, 
who in his quest for employment has various adventures with color, uh, the colorful French Quarter characters. Uh, our protagonist is overweight, unemployed, 30-year-old with a degree in medieval history. And as I mentioned, he lives with his mother. And so he spends his entire existence in utter loathing of the world around him. He's pretty much the embodiment of Twitter. If it was personified, if that cesspool was turned into a human, it would be Ignatius Riley. He that, has that much contempt for the world. Um, and the thing about this novel is that it's not only a commentary of the South and these characters at this time, but really it's a a commentary on the world we live in today. And I think that's why this is considered a classic, why people continue to revisit this novel year after year, and it's only gained in popularity. If you haven't read it, definitely seek it out. In fact, when I was in Bookman's, they had several copies of it. So if you want to go down to Bookman's, there's a good chance that they will have a copy of A Confederacy of Dunces there for you. Because remember, Bookmans, they have your cool covered. I I think they have to obviously watch it first because I tried to provide and make it with so much empathy that we cannot see things as black and white as I used to see them. I think we... It was always this mindset of, oh, I'm right, you're wrong. It's my way, the highway. Like, this is how life is. And I think throughout the the journey of making this film, and even I hope when people watch it, that they'll be able to understand there's actually multiple sides, very complex. There's a lot of dynamics. But these are the actions that I want to take going forward because we should obviously not live in shame. One person's uh, action should not reflect all of us, but at the same time, we have to own it. We have to understand it. And what are we going to do with this information? Well, I think it's the, there's something that, you know, the suffering and silence is never going to be the answer. You know, mm-hmm. your, your father has this idea that this is just going to keep repeating itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that connection is that because we're not talking about it, if mm-hmm. we don't just shine a light on this and bring it to the forefront and think about it, no matter what you feel that your role is to play in it. It's just something that we all need to be engaged with constantly because yeah, you're right. If we do nothing, it'll stay the same. But at the very least, if we talk about it, maybe those are the first steps. I I don't know if that's the answer or not, but it, it feels like the right place to go. Yeah. I hope that people will be able to engage in these conversations just because they are held privately. A lot of the conversations I've had with my, my dad and my parents are I think I purposely wanted to film them because these are primarily the conversations that we'll never see on screen. And I know it's, it feels very scary and people might say it's really brave. I don't know if, I don't know if it's brave. I just know that I wanted to be, I just wanted an honest reflection of, of what we actually go through and think about. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for uh, different topics and conversations to come up. I feel like there's so many deeper discussions to be had about this. Oh yeah. That's um, one of the many things that I've missed in the last couple of years is going to a screening, going to a film festival and you walk out into the lobby and the conversations that naturally just happen and you overhear somebody and complete stranger and you just start talking to each other and those things. And I can imagine that the conversations that'll happen with after this film are going to be incredible, that this is going to be something, this will be a catalyst for people to talk about something that we 
ignore all the time. And I'm couldn't be more excited that this is going to play with Tribeca because you're going to be on this huge stage in front of people that might not have ever heard this story. And I think that that's really important for lack of a better word, because I think important can sound like homework. This is not a homework film. This is a culturally important film, but I think it's something that it's deeply entertaining. Also, it's a great little film you've made. Thank you. I, I, I think because I watched so many movies, I basically wanted to make my favorite movie and it, no joke. I, I think people, People don't realize that being a filmmaker, you are uh, you have to watch your film like a hundred times just throughout the process. And luckily, I made something so fun that I felt still entertained after watching like a hundred times. And I think first and foremost is like, how do I make a fun movie? How do I make it relevant and really important? And a film that I I know that I probably won't see in the near future in this point of view. So I'm really excited for people to watch it and laugh and cry and have fun. So I'm really thankful to Tribeca for believing in us and really providing the space to show it multiple times. I was like, wow, three screenings. That's a lot. <laughs> so yeah. That's fantastic. And I, and I know this is going to be something that has a life after that, because it's a story that needs to be told. And I, I'm definitely looking forward to whatever's coming down the pike next because you had a great film with this one. So I'm I'm hoping there's another one coming because I'm a I'm a greedy consumer and I want more. Oh uh, yeah. I it's some yeah, I'm things are churning. Um it's funny because I actually initially thought I would be making a narrative before I made a documentary. Mm-hmm. And then I I realized I'm actually just better at documentaries because I I love talking to real people, but I also do know narrative is something I want to go back to. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for what that narrative process could be like, just because nothing really competes with real life. I think real life is so much more fun, so much more unpredictable, and obviously it's real. So it, it really hits closer to home. But so now I'm like really going back to the drawing board and thinking, wow, I made such a great film. How do I one up myself in a sense? Good. With the narrative. And that's something that I'm, that's a lot of homework for me that I'll think about. Well, it's, it's a, don't, don't set your bar too high. <laughs> um, allow yourself to enjoy the moment that you're in right now because um, you need to appreciate it and enjoy it because you did something really special here. And I'm mm-hmm. yeah, just looking forward to whatever you got next. So thank, thank you, so, you so much for taking the time to do this. Yeah. Thank you, Christopher. This was great. Excellent. Well, and best of luck with the film and hopefully I'll get to talk to you sometime soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Will. Thank you, Will. Talk soon.